Sullivan. Brought to you by Bonham Wednesdays. Hey guys, welcome back to Bonham Wednesdays. This is the second episode of The Buzz, and you're listening to Jasmine. And this is Yanni here. Today we bring to you two very interesting but different stories. But before we start, let us listen to Yanni for an important announcement. A very sad announcement, too. I know. Because, or even if we're just doing an online radio, we're starting to need money to run our station.、Um, last week, Um, the server that's been hosting our episodes, SoundCloud, ran out of space, and we need extra money to upgrade. To upgrade, and we'll appreciate it if you can donate maybe like five or ten dollars. It'll just help. Just five to ten dollars. It will help a lot. We'll be really thankful. <laughs> yes. Now, enough of that money talk. We'll get right back to the stories that we've been working very hard on, and there are toilets and protests. <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds really unrelated, but then these two choices also reflect how different we are. Do they now? <laughs> yes, I chose the toilet story because I'm rather concerned with hygiene. I am too, for the record. Really? <laughs> you just told me you don't wash your hands. I do wash my hands with water, just not with soap every single time. Well, I talked to Professor Cowling, and he told me only washing your hands with soap will. Kill the germs. So technically, your hands are still very germy. But I still did wash my hands. Okay, whatever you know, you like to believe. <laughs> <laughs> so two weeks ago, when we were planning our stories, Yanni came up to me and she was so angry and she asked me, like, you know, Jasmine, don't you ever feel angry about the toilets at our university? I was studying hard and I. And I went to the toilet and it smelled, and there are water patches everywhere, and I just think it's so disgusting. I mean, I think toilets is just like dirty spot in our civilization, <laughs> so undignified. <laughs> I don't know. And so our angry Yanni decides to do a story on toilets. Hmm. So here I am. Inside my own toilet, not very glamorous. But the point is, why should we care about this space, and why should you listen to this story? Well, that's because we go to the toilet four to six times a day, and it still feels like a taboo subject. So for the past weeks, I've been shellacking. What's the science behind toilets? What makes a good toilet? And what are some of the tips and trends from the toilet world? Let's first hear from Professor Ben Kelling. He talked to us last time on zombies. He explains what germs and bacteria we can find in our toilets, and what they can do to us. So some of the most common、uh, viral causes of diarrheal diseases are rotavirus and norovirus. There's also bacteria which can cause diarrheal diseases. Some of the most well known are cholera. And E. coli, and it can transmit between people if there's contact with fecal matter or other kind of things. The presence of infections depends on whether someone else who's been infected has recently visited the toilet and therefore contaminated the toilet or the environment. Viruses like norovirus are extremely infectious. We only need a very 
small number of infectious viruses, maybe even just one or two infectious viruses, in order to start an infection in our body. Norovirus is, is a gastrointestinal virus that causes vomiting and stomach upset and also diarrhea. It's sometimes called stomach flu and it lasts for a few days usually. So for the stomach upset just from eating too much of a certain kind of food, that should pass fairly quickly within a, maybe just a few hours. While these little germs and viruses may not matter that much to us, just not feeling very well for a couple of days, for people without a clean toilet, it's a matter of life and death. Did you know that there are currently 2.5 billion people without a toilet? And that number is actually bigger than that of people without a cell phone. And diarrhea is still a leading cause of death of children in developing countries. So I gave the WTO a ring, no, not World Trade Organization, but World Toilet Organization, based in Singapore, which organizes annual summits, global campaigns, and offers advanced cleaning courses for people all over the world. Yes, that totally cracked me up at first, but now I realize it's a very serious matter, especially after hearing personal experiences from WTO's business development manager, Annie Root. kind of spans you know multiple areas part of it is fundraising part of it is is um like on the ground feasibility and assessment studies well i tell them i work for the wto and they go oh wow okay a world trade organization and i say no 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 i mean the other one <laughs> they're taken aback a little bit the fact that i work for uh, an organization that deals with toilets you know it helps the poor improve their economic livelihoods it helps them get a sense of dignity you don't want to def defecate in the open is not only bad for health it's extremely um degrading in some ways we work in places, we work in three different countries at the moment, India, Cambodia and Vietnam. And in all these countries, the rates of people shitting in, uh, in an open field are very high. So in Cambodia, I think the rate is, the rates of only 24% of people have a toilet. So if you have 10 people, 8 out of those 10 people don't have a toilet. <laughs> well, the, the biggest challenge would definitely be education, telling people that they need to have a toilet. Imagine if your father had never used a toilet, your grandfather had never used a toilet, your uncles had never used a toilet, your, you know, your school teacher had never used a toilet, um, nobody had ever used a toilet. And you're going and telling these people that now they need a toilet, right? You'd almost say, why, would I, why do I need one? I've lived my entire life without one. Why would I ever need to buy a toilet? We're really very lucky to have toilets, but still, we shan't overlook its potential dangers. Now, I've been here in this toilet for a while now, and I'm getting a little bit scared. Common sense tells me there are loads of germs here, but I can't see them. Where exactly are they, and how do they spread? Well, I think anywhere near the toilet is going to be is going to be likely to be contaminated, and I would not eat my dinner off the, the toilet bowl. One interesting thing about uh, contamination around toilets is that when we flush the toilet, it actually aerosolizes some of the contents of the toilet bowl and into kind of small particles which can go up into the air and spray around the environment. So if we go into public toilets and search for bacterial contamination, actually we can find it in lots of different places because of this aerosolization effect. And even in your own bathrooms at home, if you uh, were to look for bacterial contamination on different services, you might well 
be able to find it on your toothbrush or on other, other things. Okay, I'm a little freaked out. Fecal matter on toothbrushes? Ew! But no fear, I've grilled three health experts, including Ben, Michael, and Anna Root, and here's a list on how to pick out the best toilet. Number one, check if it is regularly cleaned. I would think it would be regular cleaning, and the more frequently they're cleaned, should, you know, the, the contamination should be lower. Number two, see if the ventilation system is good. You know, the, the ventilation is poor, then they will be very humid. Okay, humid is not good because viruses are better in the humid area. So uh, I will look for best ventilations and uh, you will feel the fresh air because they will install lots of stuff nowadays. Lastly, just trust your instincts. Well, I guess the smell would probably be the first. That's, what, that's Those are the instincts I would use. Use your instincts, I guess. So if the toilet's got a bad smell, remember that whatever you're smelling is actually fecal matter, and that if there's contamination in the fecal matter, then it's just got into your body because you smelt it. Hygiene is hardly the only important criteria when it comes to toilets. George Tam, senior area manager of leading toilet manufacturer Kohler, tells me that in the past, where toilet making is not as sophisticated, an average flush takes up to five gallons of water. Now, for toilet manufacturers, the biggest challenge is to design toilets that are be able to flush as low as six liter or even 4.2 liter. In Hong Kong, we only flush at 7.5 at a maximum. Places like in Singapore, they flush at 4.5 right now. American Edo, you know, by a survey, they discharge about 250 grams of heavy waste in average. So the world is actually has 6 billion population. Imagine the amount of waste discharged from all these all the human beings will be substantially large for some area where they don't have sufficient fresh water, then it will be disastrous. So that's why we need to keep all the discharged water to a very low level. Sometimes when nature calls, we just can't be picky. So I've also consulted the above three experts on some top tips on how to use the toilet well. First thing first, wash your hands with soap. Wash your hands very carefully after using the toilet. Of course you need to wash your hands because these fecal material, they have bacteria inside. Yes, oh yes, there's lots of lots of studies. So washing the hands is a really good practice that prevents infections in SARS, in influenza, in pandemic influenza, and many, many other infectious diseases. Second, don't go into the toilet stall right after someone uses it. For me, I'm, I won't get into the toilet right after the first one before you. I will take a time, or even if... You don't really need to lie. I will open the door for a while first. 
Well, as I say, the influenza viruses, when this ketone cannot survive for a long time in the air, even SARS. Use only toilet paper and not any kind of tissue paper. The structure of a toilet paper, it can it can be easily dissolved in to water. They will kind they kind of break into pieces in water. And suddenly, like、um, tissue paper, it will not dissolve into pieces. It will not be stuck in the beginning, but it will be stuck when you have used it for a certain period of time, even up to six months. I hope now you do understand how complex and important the toilet situation is. To end the story, let me play to you. I love my loo, the official song of World Toilet Day, which is on November the nineteenth. I cannot get this song out of my head. After doing the story, I, I've been feeling very paranoid in toilets. I feel like I'm picking up germs everywhere, and even after washing my hands with soap, unlike Jess, I still feel very dirty. Excuse me, <laughs> but the sad thing is that you just have to live with it. Yeah, I'm still standing, so I'm sure a little a little bacteria won't kill me. <laughs> anyway,、uh, we'll we'll be moving on to our next very serious and meaningful story. Protest. That was a terrible link. What? You try. You try link the two stories. You try linking toilets with protests. <laughs> Do it. There is obviously no link. So we'll just dive right in. Jas, you're doing this story. Have you been to any protests? <laughs> well, the curious thing is that I haven't actually never been to a protest. Shame on you. <laughs> No,、um, I've actually I've been to protests, except、um, every time I go there for work, so not as a participant. So I guess experience is different. It's pretty cool. It is cool. <laughs> is there any one that's more memorable to you? Memorable ones that I would want to share would be the one on July first last year. Um, I was actually volunteering for a news agency, and it was a very memorable day because I worked for 18 hours. What? <laughs> yeah, like、um, I went back to office at 6:30 in the morning, and then the last protest ended at 12:30, and it only ended because of the rain. Oh, thank God, rain! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, because I was really tired.、Um, the most memorable part. Of the protests during the day, like there were many different protests. The most memorable one for me was the one organized by People Power.、Um, they were marching to the Liaison Office in Shangwan, and it was a very memorable scene in the sense that、um, you see people in yellow T-shirts, people waving yellow banners, yellow flyers. 
Um, they were also、um, giving out yellow papers, throwing them everywhere, like you know, confetti paper. <laughs> What a scene! <laughs> yeah, so it's just yellow everything. <laughs> and I was、um, right in front of the crowd, like the very front. And it's a very interesting thing to see how so many people have suddenly gathered together, perhaps you know, for the same cause, perhaps in the belief that you know you can make a change when you're out there. Yeah, and you feel connected to. Yeah, and you might actually not know the person next to you, and that is a very cool thing. So,、um, we've talked to different people,、um, including a couple of legislators,、uh, professors, protesters, and students in general, to see how they feel about protests. You know, especially when you see how the numbers have skyrocketed to like, you know, the unofficial number says we have over seven thousand protests last year. That is actually kind of crazy. It is. Yeah, and we have also talked to Dr. Benny Tai, who offered, you know, an alternative to protests when fighting for democratization. We have the Occupy Central. So it's going to be a very exciting story. Very meaningful story that I just can't wait to hear. So let's start. The time was 24th of March, 2013. It was a Sunday morning at nine. Over a hundred protesters from a dozen of different political and social groups have gathered in Central to protest against the lack of retirement pensions. Representatives took turns to give their speeches, explaining why they've come, and people did it for different reasons. Previously. There were reports of people paying or even bribing protesters to boost the turnout numbers, but the good news is, for most of the time, people were there for the right reason—to voice and reflect their views to those in power. Legislator Long Kwa Kong, or better known as Long Hair, is delivering a speech right now. You can always find him on a side of protest, for he believes that protest is necessary for us to confront the ills of our political system. The key is persistence. His views were shared by Legislator Long Yu Chong, the iconic figure of Neighborhood and Worker Service Center, who believes that we should strive to make our government represent us. This government should. Belongs to the people of Hong Kong, but now it's not. They are not doing something for the people of Hong Kong, but、um, you know, just、uh, for the Chinese government. So、um, uh, they would spend more time to come out to want their their opinion to fight for their rights. But not everyone agrees. I think some of the protests in Hong Kong is not. Um, it's not、um, it's not useful, and then there may be some politics that is played by the politicians. They were just、uh, harming harming the harmony of、um, our society. So I don't usually、uh, take part in any protest. 
Those in favor of protests would argue, well, this is the only way. With inherent restrictions to what legislature can and cannot do, plus a government with limited democracy, what can we do? About the demonstration happening uh, uh, currently,、uh, it's give me a sense that they、uh, actually have no way to to have their opinion be reflected in reality, so that they have to have such kind of violent action, whatever you call it. Is the only way to draw their attention. I would say their initiative is good because、uh, they are also fights for Hong Kong's freedom. They have to let Hong Kong people know that they are doing something. But Hong Kong people just perceive that they are doing violence and not letting government to do something. Over the years, calls for democratization has been a central theme for many of the protests. People wanted to have the power and right to contribute equally, to play a bigger part in their society. But in recent years, another issue have also caught our attention. We just don't want to be ruled by communists.、We、just don't like China. It's okay for me. The government has no official record on the number of protests held each year. Based on the police figures for the number of all public meetings, in 2011 there were nearly 7,000, which is three times the number in 2002. Some politicians claim there were over 7,000 protests last year. Think about it. If that is the case, it would imply that we almost have 20 per day. But why? To find out, I talked to Dr. Lam Wai Man of the University of Hong Kong. A leading expert on political participation, democratization, and civil society in Hong Kong. Political participation in Hong Kong, even before the political handover, was kind of active. But at that time, activism in Hong Kong was balanced by culture of depoliticization.、Uh, after political handover, political activism has increased basically because of the increasing tense relationship between the people and the Hong Kong government, and also between the Chinese government and the people. Especially after 2003,、uh, we saw the intensification of political. Activism and political radicalism, as expressed by the greater participation of young people using more confrontational strategies in expressing their views. Some people call such type of participation as postmodernist participation because、uh, such participation was composed of individuals. Who may not belong to any organized political bodies, so they came out and participate in certain events, perhaps based on the mobilization on the internet,、uh, invitation by friends. So the characteristics of postmodernist participation is individualism. To be fair, most protests in Hong Kong are very peaceful, and only a small percentage of them turn ugly. People have different ideas on how to voice their demands. But most would agree on the need for patience and persistence. Still, I can't help but wonder how effective is protests. Mr. Lam Kwa Kong would tell you.、Uh, well, it's better than nothing. In January this year, HAU Law Academic Mr. Benny Tai published an article on the Hong Kong Economic Journal and introduced the idea to Occupy Central and our fight for a chief executive 
elected through universal suffrage in 2017. To his surprise, his idea swiftly became the talk of the city. The idea is a simple one: gather a crowd large enough to occupy the main streets of Central and paralyze both the economy and the state in exchange for a solid universal suffrage proposal that is up to the current international standards. Many people have been attracted by the idea of occupying, the act of occupying, and yes, that's a part of the、uh, movement. But the process itself is as important as the final act of occupation. As、uh, I further elaborate, in order to prepare ourselves, the actual act of occupation, we have to undergo a series of deliberation among the people on the actual model. Of universal equal suffrage through the participation, that may build up a sense of community among those who participate. That we will be able to reshape the democratic culture of Hong Kong people. As I was reading his articles and interviews, the first question that came to me was, "Mr. Tai, aren't you too idealistic?" Oh, I am. I admit that I'm a very idealistic person, and some may say I'm a very romantic person. Public opinion is very divided on whether or not to occupy. Its people were worried about the movement's impact on the economy and prosperity. Mr. Tai calls this the price of democracy, but has nonetheless offered a solution. The impact on the economy can be easily avoided by either. You agree with what we ask for, or you arrest us, and that's and no nothing will happen to the Hong Kong's economy. Whether the movement would be a successful one depends very much on the preparation work in the upcoming months, which Mr. Tai currently deals with Reverend Ju and CHA Professor Chan Kin Man, now a famous professor known to almost every household. Mr. Tai tells me how his article has changed his life. Well, it's、um, surely that's pressure, and、uh, how, how should I express it? That、uh, I'm now far away from my comfort zone as a as a a teacher and a researcher in the university. That I think a natural tendency is to is to stay in our own,、uh, like all the other scholars, we prefer to stay in our own、uh, office. Reading and writing, but now I've been、uh, dragged out of this、uh, comfort zone and have to meet with uh, uh, people from all sectors, explain the ideas. So my whole life has been changed, and I really hope that、um, the whole thing will end very soon. But <laughs> unfortunately, it may last at least for. Twelve、uh, months or even more, that so that I can、uh, get back to my comfort zone and read my books, write my articles. But、uh, the feeling is that if 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 this is the right thing to do, even if you have to step out of your comfort zone and have to do something you're not used to, well, that is still a price that I'm willing to pay. As I ask all the other people to consider whether they. Would like to pay a price for democracy in Hong Kong. 
In the process of taking part in all these different types of social movements, we are constructing an ideal image of Hong Kong by telling our government what we want and what we don't want. Some people would want a harmonious society, a prosperous one. Some don't want poverty. We don't want pollution. We don't want corruption. Some, or I guess most of us, would want democracy. And for Mr. Tai, well, his aspirations are just as high as his ideals for Occupy Central. I, I would like to have a, a um, Hong Kong would be a fair and just society with love and concern with each other, with understanding about each other. So this is a kind of also quite idealistic, or a maybe it's just maybe too idealistic to some people. Credit to two legislators, Mr. Lan Kok Hong and Mr. Lan Yu Chung, and the two HAU professors, Dr. Lan Wai Man and Mr. Benny Tai. I hope you've enjoyed our stories. Think about it. What kind of society would you want to live in? Thank you, Jasmine, so much for the inspiring story. Now that's all for this week on the bus. Jasmine, are you excited about our next episode? Yep, but it's only three weeks away. Yes, we'll have to start working on it. But it will be on April twenty fourth, so do stay tuned. And it's our last episode, by the way. Oh, that's really sad. I know. But next week we'll have Hillary and Raymond talk to us about young entrepreneurs. So look forward to that. Follow us on Facebook and log on to bonowednesdays.com for more information. We'll be updating those as frequently as possible. Now that's it for tonight, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, hey, 冇咁勁。